Hello, this is the Librarians by the Sea podcast presented by the Swampscott Public Library. Today's topic will be the Swampscott Fish House. I'm Susan Connor, and today I'm talking with Lou Gallo. Lou Gallo has been an associate of the Swampscott Historical Commission, and I know him better because he's been the moderator of the Swampscott History Buffs group that has met at the Swampscott Library every month for more years than I can count. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for joining us, Louie. Oh, you're welcome. That's it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This should be a good talk today, I think. Um, well, let me start with, um, for those of us that did not grow up near an ocean, can you explain just what is a fish house? Well, sure. Well, I'll take a shot at it anyway. The term the fish house is just a title. Technically, it's a storage building for fishermen. Um, it is also, I don't know if it still is, but for many, many, many generations, it was the only municipal fish house on the eastern coast from Maine to the Mexican border. Um, oh. It was built in 1896. Um, I'll get into why. And then in 1988, it was put on the National Register of Historic Places because of its uniqueness as a municipal uh, building. A lot of towns sure. have um, storage houses or fish houses, but they're um, you know, in the privately owned. The reason of the fish houses is in the late 1800s, as more people became very successful, in, especially in Boston area, they wanted to come to the ocean for vacations in the hot summers, get out of the city. Several hotels were built in the 1870s and early 1880s. And then after that, uh, people started uh, buying out big chunks of property to build summer um, homes on Galoop Point, Little's Point, you know, but beautiful, problem, beautiful area, definitely a beautiful yeah. area there. But the problem is coming down along the coast, once you got to almost to the Lynn Swampscott line, actually right along there, there were fish shacks all along there. And um, then once you got over to the other side, all along Fisherman's Beach, where the parking lot is and, and even further down, they were literally shacks that they kept the equipment in, sometimes fish dried fish, which you haven't lived to you smelt them. Oh boy. Um, so, you know, and so the town decided that I think from pressure from some of these wealthier people and the owners of the hotels that um, they needed to beautify the coast. So they took by eminent domain, a lot of these little individual lots and built this fish, building the fish house um, with all these lockers. So these people who had these small little shacks or cottages, if you will, um, were guaranteed a, a locker in the building. Okay. Um, you know, so that, it, it, you know, and it is pretty much the way it is today, which is very, very beautiful along the coast. Um, so that that's kind of where it all started from you know, um, to kind of make the coast more beautiful. Some of the um, nicer 
uh, fish cottages that they actually lived in were moved inland along Puritan, it was Orient Street, but now Puritan Road, and down through there. Wow. Uh, half a dozen of them still exist. Some have been expanded, but a couple of the real small ones are still there. Um, so I'm sure they go for a fortune now. But, they probably um, do. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but that was why the fish house was built. Um, architecturally, it they didn't want to just put up a you know, a um, block. Yeah. So they hired this architect from there. I can't remember his name, but, um, you know, so he designed the building. It's, it's 90, I think it's 36 feet wide, but 90 feet long. I know it's 90 feet long. Um, the interesting thing is the color of the fish house right now is the, the color of the original fish house. Um, a few years later, they painted it a light brown. And then the next time it was painted, it was like a uh, milk chocolate brown. Um, then I remember from you know, my youth it being a darker brown with green doors and then later with blue doors. I mean, it's been this whole multiple use and cared for um, building. When the historical commission in the 80s was getting ready to have it restored um, and we're trying to find the colors, a couple of the doors into the lockers could not be opened all the way because of the paint buildup on them. So we managed to get one of the doors out and it had like seven layers of paint, different colors, wow. two or three inches wide. So we were, we were able to trace it all the way back to the original building which are the colors that it is now very cool That's, yeah it was for oh maybe 15 years 20 years tops at one time it was painted red which was what most people remember because it was in the um 60s and 70s um and it was red before we changed it back to the color it is now which didn't go over that big <laughs> people liked it red um, so that's when the, around the same time that the pier was built. Um, but anyway, so the fishermen used it for, um, storing their gear and stuff. There are, I don't even think there's any fishermen left. I think Mr. Grimes was the last of the real fishermen, net fishermen. There's lobstermen in there now and, 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 um, recreational boat people. Now, uh, the last of the fishermen, and when I say fishermen, I'm talking about drop lines and nets. Um, okay. Okay. They kind of either went up to Gloucester or Newbury because um, they now go out to the Grand Banks more than this. If, when I was a kid, you could catch, uh, sometimes you could catch a, a haddock knee deep in water. Um, now, if you caught a haddock out in the hot bay, you'd make the front page of the item. But, you know, because it's been so overfished and polluted. Um, so the fishermen have moved out, and there's a couple of lobstermen still around. And I, I've always made the distinction between the two. So, they, like I said, they would store uh, gear and stuff like that. Lots of times, 
the lobster traps would be stacked because they were wood then um, where the parking lot is now, but uh, and the door is on the beach. But, uh, you know, so that's pretty much, you know, what it is and why it is. Yeah. It's probably more than um, any other reason. Sure. It's definitely something unique to Swampscott. Yeah. Well, Swampscott is a very small, you know, town and only uh, maybe 25, 30 years old from West Ward 1 of, um, you know, Ward 1 of Lynn until it separated in 1852 under the influence of some very successful large property owners and beach people, you know, um, hotel people. So that their influence through all of this, you know, breaking away from land, um, becoming independent town, and then cleaning up the coastline, if you will, um, because then you had these enormous hotels and huge summer estates. And people, you know, traveling to get to it had to go by all these shacks and um, drying racks and stuff like that. So, interesting. Anyway, interesting. Do you know any stories about some of the gentlemen who were actually fishermen at the time? Um, what was it like to be a fisherman? In it was tough. Um, well, I. Not that old that I can remember. You know, I knew a couple of them by sight and name, but not so much. You know, um, we have records of um, the, the, uh, the dory was used along with they called a pinky, which was kind of a fat um, two-masted schooner first okay. before they became more sleek. And that they're the ones that they would take way out to the sea and then to get in the doors and go out with drop lines fishing. Mm -hmm. There is one story, I don't remember the man's name, but these guys in the other dories saw this giant shark jump into his boat. The boat, uh, the shark and the, the fishermen were never seen again. Oh. And he may well have been the first no recorded um, death by shark. Um, which is not something I want to be proud of, but no. uh, I, I remember that story. And um, I remember my, when I was a kid, my grandmother would give me um, Thursday night's item and a dollar. And I'd go sit on a, a roller down on, on the end, east end of Fisherman's Beach waiting for one of the fishermen to come in. And I would go get a haddock or whatever the fish was they would gut it and clean it wrap it in the paper and i'd bring it home and that was friday night supper oh very um, good one time the guy cut the head off and i brought it home my grandmother was very upset with me she said how do i know it's fresh i said it was flapping on the bottom of the boat <laughs> that's pretty fresh that's, that's yeah pretty still fresh. pretty fresh but she wow. wanted it to make a fish uh, chowder or something, but you know, um, Lucky Williams was a very successful uh, fisherman and the lobsterman for many, many years. Some of the characters that hung around the fish house, um, I knew they were friendly with my uncle. Um, some lived in the neighborhood, 
but the Martins were another big family of fishermen, the Houghtons. Um, and and they, like I said, they were fishermen. Then some of them turned to lobsters because, especially because of the hotels and stuff wanted them. Um, so, you know, so, and then over the years that has um, also changed and, and become more out to sea and um, commercialized than individuals. Okay. Uh, I guess they're hurting right now, but uh, so, so like I said, the, the agreement with the town is that they would be for professional fishermen. You know, and I remember one time, probably in the sixties or seventies, when they were starting to rent them out to individual um, for recreation, they they wanted to check their taxes to see what their you know because a couple of them were um, oil truck deliverers during the winter and so were they full time fishermen or were they part time fishermen so who was entitled to there was a long list of people waiting for a, a locker so oh. they were trying to figure out who was eligible first because the agreement was that you know full time fishermen would have first preference. That's, I don't think that's even an issue anymore, but because um, I think, and some of them are shared by two or three people now. So that's okay. about it. All right, that makes sense. Well, you mentioned one possible first with the, the, the shark attack. That's a little scary. But I understand there are a few other firsts for Swampscott. Um, I've heard that there was a gentleman named Ebenezer Phillips, who was the first person of European background to learn how to dry fish, and then he went on to sell it. Yes, he he, um, he was he was very friendly with a bunch of uh, Native Americans who spent the summer here uh, doing exactly that before they went inland to shelter for the winter, and he started doing that, um, having fishermen do it. Now, I don't know if he ever did it himself, but eventually. He um, had a big, big area on um, Peaches Point in Marblehead, which is a very exclusive neighborhood now, was wide open and nothing around. So they had huge racks of drying fish. I can't imagine what the smell was like. He built his house halfway up on Greenwood Avenue. If you go up Greenwood Avenue and it takes a little curve around, the house is still there. It's got a house or two in front of it now, but before it had nothing in front of it except sky and ocean and he could sit on his porch and watch ships coming in and out of Boston Harbor with you know he knew when they were due or, or when they were leaving so he could keep his eye you know track of it eventually he donated or the land for the high school on Greenwood Avenue which is now all condos for sale um he became a. He was one of the first millionaires in in town. He owned tons and tons of acres and areas of land, um, and his part of his family, the Cook family, which also had the Linsana Stone Quarry, so they were very uh, enormous land barons, if you will, um, and successful uh, business people. He was one. Another first was the invention of the lobster trap 
I can't remember his name, Thorndike, I think. Or is he the Dory? One or the other. But the guy who invented the lobster trap, they kind of laughed at it at first because lobsters were so plentiful, you could literally go down in the rocky areas like on Wales Beach near uh, Lincoln House Point, any rocky area, and literally pick them up by hand. They, oh. You know, you didn't need a trap to catch them. Now you do, but sure. <laughs> you're lucky if you get any. Exactly. But, um, so, but it, the, he invented the lobster trap, and obviously it took off. And then several generations, uh, not generations, several um, decades later, it was improved um, to more uh, net and less slats. The, the original ones um, were trapezoids, because out here in the bay, it's mostly sand. So the round top ones, which is the most famous ones now, um, if the if the current took it, they'd start spinning, and God knows where they'd end up. Oh. You know, but the flat ones would sit flat. You know, the bottoms were flatter than the top, in a trapezoid shape. Um, yeah, and then of course the famous Swampshire Dory, which is um, every once in a while. We still get a request, mostly from Asia, um, for plans on how to build a wooden swampskit dory. Wow. Um, last time I remember, it's got to be 10 or 12 years ago, because probably everything's online now, or the computer, but then they weren't. And um, we had a request from Taiwan for um, instructions how to, you know, to build a um, Swampscott Dory. Um, anyway, so those three things, uh, two things and one person, um, a, a real first. Maybe the fourth is the unfortunate passing of the, sure. yeah. uh, the fisherman. Yeah, so um, fishing has been a, a major, major part of the town. There was a, I forget the term was knock. Knocked down. I, can't remember, I remember my uncle telling me it, but a thousand years ago. In the morning, they'd start on the top of the hill, the fishermen, to get ready to go out. And they'd walk down to whosoever house, you know, on the crew, and, and, and knock three times on the window and yell. And I can't remember what they yelled. And, to, you know, to get up and, and get going because they wanted to take off. Out to sea, yeah. Uh, the only it's, other it's their thing, signal. That, <laughs> their signal. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 it was a custom that um, I remember him telling me about. Uh, and, and like I said, the crews. We have information in the library yep. <clears throat> that uh, with some books that have um, uh, you know records of who and and what they caught and how much. I mean, uh, even in the um, anniversary 150th anniversary book um i did a um a, a, i don't even know what you'd call it but it, it's a log of events and a lot of them in there are so and so brought in fourteen thousand pounds of herring or cat, uh, not herring but um stripers or, or cod or whatever so it was a lot of hard work Oh, very hard. 
Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah, absolutely. And and now the irony of it is, most of the pictures we have of old fishermen <clears throat> sitting around fish uh, the fish house are all dressed in suits <laughs> with ties. <laughs> they knew the picture was being taken, maybe. Evidently, yeah. <laughs> There's very few of them actually working. We have some, they used to have the, uh, when they were fishing, uh, before, um, when the nets were still, I don't know if they were cotton or, or what, some, you know, thread, they would bring them in, and then they had these spinning um, racks that they would, uh, stretch the nets out and, and spin them on it um, so that they could air dry. Okay. To, you know, because otherwise it'd rot, I guess. Um, and we have pictures of those, you know, uh, of, of putting them on and uh, rep uh, repairing nets. I can remember Mr. Publicova. Boy, that came out of nowhere. Um, he had the special wasn't really a needle, but to weave and repair nets. And I can remember seeing him sitting on Fisherman's Beach, um, repairing his nets or someone's nets. Um, I always found it fascinating. But anyway, but like I said, the fishing industry is pretty much gone in Swampscott other than recreational. Uh, lobstering is even um, a lot less than it used to be. So well, that's, that's pretty much where we're at. Yeah, that's it, it shows that the the fishing was a really big part of Swampscott's history. Oh, absolutely. Over, over time. Well, you, oh, yeah. You, yep. You touched a little bit on um, what's being done with the fish house today. It's there's not as many commercial fishermen or. or no, I'm not even around. sure. There, yeah, there's maybe one or two. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, the second floor of the fish house, which was an enormous open area originally, on the ocean end, which has now got a little wing, uh, now got a balcony out there, but um, it had a big slot. If you see a real old picture of the fish house, it, it had a flat edge and this big open, uh, not big open, but a, a tall, thin opening. And they could drag or pull nets not, I'm sorry, not sails up through there to dry, hang and dry in, up on that floor. Oh. You know? Um, Keep it out of the weather. Start, yeah. Right. That ended with the advent of motor bo of boats. Um, and then it became, I think, 1933, the Yacht Club took over the second floor. Um and still is there. Okay, um, nice. So, and then the third floor, which is technically, would be considered a widow's walk, which is where the flagpole is. Yes. Um, I think that's, uh, it used to be able to go up there. I haven't seen anybody up there in many, many actually it needs to be repaired right now. But um, like I said, the second floor became the um, Swampsea Yacht Club. And I, I think they eventually took over the entire second floor. For a long time, they only had uh, like a little more than half. Um, so that that's pretty much the way it's used today. Well, it's it's certainly nice that it is. Uh, it, it's a central point for Swampscott residents. 
you know, the building looks nice and it's, it's a community place for the town. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they hold events there and in the parking lot, you know, uh, they didn't sure. have the, uh, I don't know if they had the splash or go back. I forget what they call it. They go oh, the, the, the polar bear plunge? The polar bear plunge. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. 4th of July, they used to help hold a, a bang and go back race, boat race. It all line up. They have to go full throttle out until they heard the cannon go off, then turn around and come back as fast as they could. The first one back won um, the the trophy. All right. <laughs> I'm not sure they do that. I don't think they've done that for many, many years, yeah. but they did for a long time. It was kind of funny. Very good. So. Very good. Well, thank you. Those are some very good stories. I mean, we're all proud of our town, but it's nice to hear some of these firsts and, and you know, things that Swampscott can be known for and be proud of. Um, yeah. So I appreciate all the stories. And I do want well, to give it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it's worked out very well. Um, well. This is the kind of bullish sessions we have at the History Buffs, and it triggers memories of a lot of the people who come, and we learn more about different events, you know, as opposed to hard-nosed, boring history. That's it, it. It becomes more fun and interesting. So hopefully, you know, we get back to doing that again. We've yes. done it for 23 years. <laughs> well, I hope we'll continue on that you all. I definitely yeah, want too. to put a shout out if anyone else is interested in discussing Swampscott history. Uh, it's a very good group of people that meets on the first Friday of every month at 10 o'clock. Yeah. And yep. they sh we should, as soon as the library is able to open back up to the public, the history buffs will be right there again on the first Friday at 10. So we're looking right. forward yeah, to that again. Right. And hopefully the historical society is going to start have, well, we do have lectures at the library on Saturdays upstairs. Okay. Yes. And, and we have a few, ideas and people willing to do, you know, programs for that, that usually comes with slides and pictures. Um, again, some one of these days, hopefully we will be doing them. Very again. good. Very good. We're looking forward to that. So, well, I will well, wrap be up. well. Very good. Take care of yourself. Thank right. you to the listeners for joining us. And we'll talk again sometime. Anytime. Thank Take you. Care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.